Hello and welcome to the My First Five Years podcast. I'm Alistair Bryce Clegg. And I'm Jenny Johnson. We're early years experts and the founders of My First Five Years, an activity and child development app for parents. And what's this podcast about? Well, it's to help you find some of the joy in parenting and ditch some of that guilt, worry and anxiety that we all experience. Absolutely. And our topic today is one that often induces anxiety. We're really looking forward to talking about how we can remove some of that anxiety and have much more fun. Last time we talked about sleep with our sleep expert, Lauren Peacock. There were loads of useful tips on there and some of the science around how children actually sleep. So it's well worth a listen back if you haven't already. Today, we want to talk about helping your child become Mm -hmm. a writer. And the fact that learning to write is not just about sitting down and learning your alphabet or forcing a child to be holding a pencil before they're ready. That's so true. And three children in, I did actually make two of them sit at the kitchen table and learn to write (laughs) that way. But my third had a very different experience, thanks to many of your ideas. And that's why today is going to be so interesting. We're going to chat through some of the science Mm -hmm. and some of the developmental milestones that help a child become a writer. But we're going to take that right from the beginning through. And actually, it's very, very different than most of us understand. Plus, at the end, we'll have five easy hacks for helping start your child on their writing journey. And there's loads more in our app if you want to download that. First of all, let's talk a little bit about the science and how us humans learn to write. Well, it's dead fascinating and really complex, although in terms of what you need to understand as a parent, it's not that complex. I was going to say, I agree it is complex, but we do manage to get it down to the core things that just make so much sense. What's going on internally for children when they become writers? There is a thinking process, so there's cognitive, there's hand-eye coordination, there's a sensory element to it, there's an understanding of what they are going to do in terms of what making marks to represent writing so there are lots of complex things that are going on that produce that mark on the paper that's understandable or decodable by somebody else Uh but actually how children learn to write or become writers or tool users because really a pencil is just a tool that children use to produce something that we call writing in the same way that a paintbrush they paint with a knife that they cut with but because we think writing is very important which it is Mm -hmm. we often as parents put a lot of stress on trying to get them to that end goal as quickly as possible I really get that and with as I say the first two children I was very much focusing on wanting them to be able to write their name without having any understanding whatsoever of the things they needed to master before that and I think once you understand that and you enjoy the journey of getting to writing and you start to see some of these milestones and understand what they mean for later I really relaxed into that then and my third Olivia had a much more joyous experience about learning to write rather than the other two which I I reflect on it now and it was almost like I sat them at the kitchen table to write lines like you'd get at school and one of the things I would say is the biggest thing that will support your child to become a writer is the desire to write yeah they're wanting to write and they're not going to want to write if they're made to do it or they're made to do it too soon and it feels torturous but also (laughs) you've got the physical aspect to writing and Mm -hmm. that literally starts when children are babies and we'll, Mm -hmm. we'll explore that in a bit but also the idea that when you write, writing is just your thoughts that come out of the end of a pencil, whatever you write with. Oh, I love in, that. In the same way that talk are just your thoughts that come out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. So speaking is how you get the thoughts out of your mouth. So that's why we talk about speech and you might talk about things like speech therapy, enabling mm-hmm. you to speak in a way that makes you understandable. Mm-hmm. But talk is the language that's in your head that comes out of your mouth. So if you can't think it, 
you can't, can't say it. it right? And if you can't say it, you can't write it. So a huge element of being a successful writer is about having lots and lots of language and mechanisms for language and different words that exist in your head that mean that when you are able to put pencil or pen to paper, mm-hmm. you've got something to, something write, to about. write about. Fair so enough. language is a huge element of, of writing development. And then the other really big element is the physical element, which is way more than just that pincer grip when you're holding your pencil. Mm-hmm. It really starts with your whole body and that gross motor development that allows you to have control over your fine motor like your fingers. I'm really looking forward to exploring this. I'd imagine many of us, and me included before I knew otherwise, that writing was something that came that little bit further along. So, you know, two, three, four-year-olds starting to think about learning to write their name. But actually, what I began to realise is that it starts much earlier than that. So maybe, Alistair, let's start at the beginning of the journey. So it's a bit like we were talking about in our last podcast about creativity, where often we focus on the kind of product as opposed to the process. So the product is often as parents that will see it as a child being able to write their name or record letters, which is all part of the journey, but it is your right fairly yeah. towards the end. Uh, yeah. But to get us to that point, again, there are lots of strands in writing and they don't all move at the same pace. So mm-hmm. the way that your language develops is not often or always at the same rate that your physicality develops. True. We know that to control fine motor, you have to have control over your gross motor and that lots of children need, well, all children need lots of experience of that really big gross motor play to learn to control their bodies. Mm-hmm. We used a couple of terms there that are worth just touching on. One was gross motor skills, one was fine motor skills. Just remind me what that's all about. Yeah, good point, because it's gross in terms of big, not Not as as in gross and bogies. Yeah, (laughs) so a gross motor skill is your big limbs. So if you think about it in kind of real layman's terms as being your arms, your legs, your core, your chest, your shoulders, and it's about the big muscles in your body and how essential they are for keeping your balance and just for being able to control how you move through a space as you're moving through the space. And as a child, you'll often be using those when you're outdoors, you're running about. That's the yeah, sort of thing that's going to develop yeah. and strengthen, well, day-to-day walking yeah, about as well. climbing the bed, climbing yeah. the bath, wherever it may be. Yeah. And fine motor skills are the smaller manipulative skills. So things like fingers, toes, even tongue and lips, they mm-hmm. all come part of your fine motor skills. And it's how when you're making smaller movements that need more control, they use those parts of your body to find that or create that control. Okay. So, so your fine motor skills are the smaller ones, mm-hmm. your gross motor skills are the larger ones, but you have to have good, solid gross motor skills in place, otherwise your fine motor ones aren't as effective. Yeah. So when we do get the writing bit, for example, you might have children who either press on really hard with a pencil or it looks like a spider's crawled across their page. And often that's because some of their gross motor skills or some of their big muscle groups like their chest and their shoulders and their upper arms aren't as well rehearsed or as toned mm-hmm. as they could be. So they either press too hard because they are relaxing too much or pressing too hard or they haven't got the muscle tone that allows the right amount of pressure So therefore you get the very kind of spidery writing. So sometimes, or often, the gross motor skills will impact significantly on their ability to have really good fine motor skills. Fascinating. But to hold a pencil, if we think about that, and you're using those muscles that are in your hand, your palm arches, your fingers, your ligaments, your knuckles, all of those things are developing from 
before you're born and when you were born. Mm -hmm. And when we see babies do things like involuntary grasping, where they're literally just throwing their arms out and seeing what they can catch. Yeah, which they do very early on, don't they? They do, and then they move into really purposeful grasping where you'll see them look at something, reach out to it, be able to judge the distance between the object and themselves, yeah. and then successfully grasp. That I want that, and I'm yeah, going to get it. it. Yep. That is the really the beginnings of the building of the muscles and the mm-hmm. coordination that will eventually lead into writing, as well as lots of other things. So as we've already said, writing is just one aspect of children using tools and manipulating their muscles in their everyday life so all of those things that our children do in their everyday play the running about the balancing the hanging upside down the coordinate of their bodies this idea of proprioception which is a child's ability to manage their limbs in the space that's available to them their awareness of their body mm-hmm. all of those things take a lot of practice and rehearsal and the best way to do that is through active play yeah got you so we get our physicality right that helps us hold the pencil or pen or whatever it might be yeah. what else needs to be going on because obviously it's not just about the physicality you talked about if you can't think it you can't say it. if you can't say it, you can't write it so again we are born with the potential for a huge imagination but imagination like language needs to be fed so the more that we can feed children uh, in terms of metaphorically, you well, mean, metaphorically, or, well, both. Yes, well, yeah, actually both. But you know, stories, language, social interaction, all of those things, the richer their experience, the more they experience, and the more they've got in their toolkit to be able to access. So it doesn't have to be uh, stories out of a storybook. It's about opportunities for children to talk with a variety of their peers but also adults with a higher level of language mm-hmm. to listen to how language is modeled to be able to practice and rehearse words we know that a child has to hear a word on a number of occasions before it becomes a word that actually sticks within their vocabulary mm-hmm. and the other thing that children need is meaning so it's no good teaching them a word if they don't understand what it means so i remember my mum saying you know many years ago one of my brother's first words was hippopotamus and they loved the fact that he could say hippopotamus and it was held up as a he must be a gifted child because he can say the word hippopotamus five syllables exactly but if you think about the word hippopotamus it's lovely in your mouth Mm -hmm. so they just children learn to say these words that are meaningful to them but it doesn't always mean that they understand the meaning of the word Mm -hmm. so some words we'll say because we enjoy saying them and they allow us to use all the sensory aspects of our mouths, but lots of words going forward we need to learn how to use in context. So the more vocabulary experiences we can give children, the better, and that really does equip them for having something to write about when we get to that point. Got you. I think as a mum with Olivia, when she was learning to write with my new understanding, I was really valuing what I was seeing in the progress and I wasn't that bothered about writing because I knew it would come, but I was really valuing what she was creating along the journey. And I actually kept almost a bit of everything. So I've got the scribble that we started with. And then I remember she started doing like lines and circles. And what you were saying is, yeah, you can see there, there's more control than there was in just the scribble. And then she was starting to tell me things that she was drawing. And if I'm perfectly honest, I couldn't quite see what she was telling me, but she had intent with what she was trying to do. And then I started, 
started to see that intent and I could go, oh yeah, actually, you know, if I'm with a fair wind, I can see that that's a wood lice or whatever yeah. it was that she was fascinated with at the time. And then it began to be things that I could look at and go, yep, I'm kind of getting that now. But even then I knew she wasn't ready to write. And I think what you were encouraging me to do with her creative work, because she was somebody that loved to sort of sit down and draw things on a blank sheet of paper, was almost like encourage her to say, oh, and what about fingers? And what about eyelashes? And what about the nose? And her drawings were getting more and more intricate. And as they were getting more and more intricate, of course, when you start to say, should we have a go at writing your name? She's more likely to have success with that than if I got overexcited when she was scribbling, going, right, she's making marks on paper. Let's learn to write your name. Because she wouldn't have been ready and she wouldn't have had success. And I think as well as a parent, you're really keen for that to happen. And sometimes what we would do is, you might put dots on the page and try to get your child to trace over the dots and all of those things are kind of how we remember maybe being taught to write and the that kind conventional of wisdom yeah yeah but I think, <laughs> that's not necessarily you know, the best way it's not and i think also what you're training children to do is i've finished this wonderful drawing i've really enjoyed the process and now i've got to go through that laborious task of doing my name on the bottom to please the adult who i'm with yeah and actually whether their name's on the bottom or not it doesn't matter and you are often taken them in a backward step mm-hmm. rather than thinking right as you were saying I can see there's loads of interest around mark making yep. and I can see that mark making is becoming more sophisticated yep. but it doesn't matter whether they're writing their name or not they're not signing checks on a daily <laughs> basis so you don't need to write your name so therefore why do we push children down that route if you've got a really successful mark maker yep. drawer whatever they're doing then the writing will come at the right time yep. it's just as a parent being able to hold your nerve and wait until the right time shows itself through interest and also aptitude. You said there's no need for a child to learn to write their name. I mean, obviously, literally, that isn't the case. There becomes points in their journey where, whether that be starting school or whatever, that there'll be some expectations around that, would you not say? Well, you've got to think about when realistically do children need to write their names. So True. <laughs> even when they go off into reception, the only reason you need to write your name, apart from the fact children love their own names because that's a claim to who they are, but you write your name to label your work. But again, lots of receptions that I work with, especially early on in the year, might have labels with children's names printed on so they're looking at name recognition rather than name writing. So if your child was to start school and couldn't even recognise their own name, that wouldn't be unusual. There is not an expectation, which I think parents sometimes feel. They've got to be reading, they've got to be writing by the time they get to school, otherwise they will be behind. And I think one key message that I want to get across from all of my experience working in early years over the past 30 odd years is that actually by trying to push children ahead, you often set them way further back. And actually, when you hold your nerve as a parent, which is really difficult, and follow your child's lead, Mm -hmm. when they get it, they will fly. They fly with it. That's so true. But it's easy for us to say, looking back, and it's easy for me to say it when I'm talking about other people's children, it's really hard when it's your child, and they might be starting school, and they're not writing their name yet, and Granny's saying, can they not write their name yet, and let's put some dots on this piece of paper. But actually... If we are working on those other things like the physical development, the fine motor development, the language and the passion for writing, the writing for a purpose, then they absolutely will fly when the moment is right. I can unfortunately relate to both of those. So with my older two, I 
sat them down and taught them to write in a really boring way. They hated it. It often ended in tears. I just didn't know any better. I thought it was important they started school with this skill and I worked until they got it. And I probably set them back because they didn't enjoy writing. They probably saw writing as something to dread. With Olivia, because you'd opened my eyes to a different way, it was something she loved doing. I wasn't bothered I mean, because I knew it would come, not that I wasn't bothered, but I wasn't worried about her learning to write her name for starting school because I knew it would come. Actually, she showed an interest in it and was able to write her name quite quickly. To be fair, it's a simple one. Olivia, it's got lots of O's and straight lines. It's not the most difficult of names to learn to write, but nonetheless, it happened when she was ready. And her creative writing is fabulous because once she began to write which is a little bit further down the journey but I was happy to leave her to write I wasn't correcting her spellings constantly I wasn't worrying about grammar I wasn't worried about leading capital letters because it's like brilliant she's starting to do something with this now it will come and also what you need like every human being when you're starting off on a new process you need lots of positive reinforcement because you can correct lots of the errors later I know from having worked And again, I mean, we've talked about gender and gendered play in previous podcasts. I'm going to talk about boys now as a generic group because often you'll get parents and teachers that will say, I really struggle to get boys right. And Mm -hmm. and what I often do is work with groups of boys who can do the most detailed drawings, often with weapons in them. And, (laughs) you know, they'll have loads of really intricate detail. Come and ask them to write their name, yeah. and you literally are like, I'm going to put <laughs> Don't your, to do yeah, it. Exactly. But if you look at their skill of manipulation of yeah. a mark-making tool, yeah. they clearly could form all the letters of their alphabet. They've just already got it in their head that they don't want to do that. And I think one of the saddest things is when you talk to children who are four and five years old, and they will say, I'm not good at writing, I don't like writing. Yep. You're only four years old. Yeah. How on earth can you not like writing? Have you the got first there two already? Years, you yeah. didn't even think about writing. Yeah. So how has that happened? What happened in those two yeah. years to and put once you that off? Seed has been sown. Yeah. It's really hard then to get them back on the writing bus to love it and enjoy it. Whereas yeah. if we just left it a little bit longer, mm-hmm. and again we often quote the Scandinavian education system. I was system, literally just about to bring yeah, them up. <laughs> if they don't start formal education till seven, so there's no expectation to write. Obviously they they will do but there's no expectation to write until you're seven. You haven't got loads of adults in Scandinavian nations who can't write. Don't write, exactly. It's about giving all of those foundations, making them really solid, being brave enough to say, I know I'm putting in place really good foundations, and then when the actual writing happens and the motivation yeah, to do it they're like well, i can do this because i've got all these gross motor skills fine motor skills i've got all this language i've got all this story in my head and i am motivated to write because you're asking me to write about something that i want to write about and i've got skills that are well rehearsed in place as opposed to i don't want to do this it hurts my hand because it literally yeah. will if they're not ready yeah. I, yeah. my attention span is not long enough there's no reason for me to write this well why would as adults we wouldn't stand for that so why do we expect three and four year olds to be able to process that and go oh, all right then just to please you i'll do it it's never gonna happen we have got some fabulous questions around this so should we take a few of them absolutely okay so i've got a question from jessica here asking when can i introduce writing to my child's play well 
there's no there's no easy answer to that question. So basically, we are looking at how children develop the ability to make marks, which we'd call mark making, mm-hmm. and that's purposeful mark making and accidental mark making. So very very early on, you will see very young children, babies, mm-hmm. who will make accidental marks. So say you've got porridge on your high chair and you put your hand through it and you realise what you've done and you like the sensation of it so you go back and do it again. Mm-hmm. You're beginning to make accidental marks or non-purposeful marks. Yeah. Then we get to the point where children realise that they can actually, with a stick, in the sand, with their finger, in bean juice, whatever it may be, they can make a mark that stays or a mark that goes. Mm-hmm. And then we move on beyond that to when they use other tools to make purposeful marks that then moves into writing. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about when can we introduce writing into play, as an adult, you can use writing all the time in play. And mm-hmm. as we often say in my first five years, how adults model and coach children is really powerful. Mm -hmm. So in your child's play, not expecting them to write, but saying, oh, I'm going to make a sign, health and safety, I'm going to make a label. (laughs) Tell you've worked in early years, health and safety, health and safety. Well, anything you're going to do where you can create some... It's the baker's shop, it's the ice cream shop, it's Mm -hmm. grandma's house. So lots of times as adults, you can show and demonstrate that marks carry meaning. And that when you're making these squiggles that they can't decode or understand and you read them back, that teaches your child that this thing called writing has got a purpose. Got you. In terms of when they begin to write, it will be much, usually much later on in children's journeys Mm -hmm. in terms of writing. So again, if we clarify that, we've got mark making where children make purposeful marks. Yep. Then we have a thing called emergent writing where children begin just to make marks that represent writing to them. And that's a key step for children. So this is not just about, I realise that if I touch this pen to this paper, I make a mark. Mm-hmm. This is about saying, I'm going to make this mark and I'm going to read it back to you because I understand because of you reading me stories or you making in my play. So you can see they've shifted a stage of development there where now this squiggly line, that's my first version of writing, Mm -hmm. and then that squiggly line usually turns into lots of little squiggles or circles, circles and lines, like you were saying about Olivia. Yeah, I saw that stage quite clearly. Yeah. Yeah. And then they usually move into the first letter of my name, because that's the thing they identify with more. So you often will see children who just begin to write the same letter over and over again, or a mixture of squiggles and letters from their own name. Mm -hmm. And then as they get a little bit further down the journey, they begin to hear the initial sounds in words and they learn how to represent those sounds. And that's usually once they've gone to school. So then you start to get bits of writing that look like a very long string of letters and all they are are the initial sounds of every word that the child's got (laughs) or what they think is the first sound so Mm -hmm. they will give you a string of 20 letters but they'll read it out like a story so then we begin to move into a slightly different territory which is phonics Uh where children are beginning to link letter shapes to sounds and learning how to join those together to make words but that again for most children usually comes way later on in their journey and it's what schools particularly are set up to teach children at the right time yeah so as an educator as a head teacher and as a classroom practitioner i was always really pleased if children came to my classroom or my school with no prior knowledge of phonics but were really 
curious, inquisitive, interested children who love to have a story mm-hmm. because those things are really easy to teach to children who are ready. Yeah. They're really difficult to teach to children who are not interested because we've started too early. Or unteach, I presume, if it's not... Unteaching. Like, sometimes you'll get children who come in and say, oh, I can write my name. And you're like, great. And then they write it all in capitals. And then they write it in capitals and lowercase. Or their letter formation is all kind of upside down and back to front. Mm-hmm. And then you find yourself in a really awkward position as an adult, be it a parent or a teacher, where you're celebrating the fact that they can write their own name and they're really thrilled with it. But you know in the back of your head, it's someday you're going to have to have the conversation where you say, it's brilliant, you can write your own name but and it's the but bit that you can never really dress up you have to say but we need to do it in a different way i've always avoided using the word properly because properly implies yeah, that what it yeah. isn't valid but we need to do it in a different way but just exploring that a little bit when children do begin to write their name or make marks or start to write the alphabet inevitably things are usually upside down back to front i chose not to say anything to olivia because to me it was more important that she was on a journey with it. So I hear what you're saying, but you have to maybe address some of that stuff later on. But at the very beginning, yeah. so you my just view leave is, them to... Yeah, never correct in the moment, because yep. in the moment is a celebration of, look, I've done this, it's fantastic. And like, yes, you have. Yep. So again, a lot we talk about in my first five years is acknowledge in the moment what what the issue perceived issue is and then find a way of addressing it through you mean acknowledging your own brain, adult brain in your own brain yeah, yeah. not, not out, loud. out loud yeah not like saying oh you've done your out the wrong way around you should have started here and you should have gone over there yeah because that just kills the mood and kills like, everything. literally i yeah. mean if i'd done something i was really proud of and someone came over nitpicking at the one thing that wasn't quite right with it, it would put me off doing it again and i think it is trying to think as an adult how would i feel if someone Absolutely. came up to me right now and said that did that and I think I'm just trying to just unpick what you were saying there and make sure that people aren't going away thinking they've got to correct no absolutely not but then you would correct because at some point in the future yeah well how I would always play it out is when children get very confident with doing something like writing their name yeah if their letter formation is incorrect then what they're doing every time they write it which they will because every other in the room is just like oh they've written the name that's amazing and of course it is but then what they do is they write it all the time all the time all the time so they just really reinforce, reinforce the bad right. habit yeah yeah but what you don't point. want to say is stop stop writing your name let me get out the dots and let's trace over the dots because that is like death by dots <laughs> but also if we think developmentally yeah um, we've already talked about this about the gross motor fine motor development yeah up until the age of five children are developing their fine motor and beyond but also they're really well versed in their gross motor development mm-hmm. it's the it's the bones of excuse the pun muscles and bones of how they move <laughs> about so when i would always do handwriting children handwriting with children I would look at children who were forming recognisable letters that they understood. This yep. isn't off for Olivia, this isn't half for Alistair, whatever it may be. Yep. But we know our children's best, most well-rehearsed and secure way of moving is gross motor. Right. So you teach handwriting practice, if we want to call it that, through gross motor movement. So ah. you don't say, let's sit down at the table with a very small sheet of A4, which is split into little lines, and let's see if we can do these tiny dots. Because when you teach handwriting, for example, like we'll all remember it being taught at school, mm-hmm. there's a mantra that goes with it. So if you are doing a lowercase a sound, and I was teaching that, I'd be like, right, start in the middle, all the way around, big and fat, don't take your pencil off, big and fat, up 
and down. And if you're doing a flick, flick, it's not necessarily a flick. So when children learn to write, they have that mantra of letter formation in their head. Uh So if I can say, right, I need you to understand that A starts in the middle. Yeah. It goes all the way around and is big and fat. It goes up and then it comes back down again without you taking your pencil off. I don't need you to be holding a pencil in your newly forming little hand that's going to ache. Yeah. I can give you a stick, a lightsaber, a fairy wand, a wooden spoon. I can get some little lights off places like eBay that you can clip on the end of your fingers, little torch, finger torches. <laughs> and I can basically say, right... And for me, with my boys, it was always lightsabers because that's what they were into. But we would do Jedi writing or Mm -hmm. we would do princess writing or we'd do Buzz Lightyear writing. Mm -hmm. And we'd say, right, Jedi writers, we're going to learn to write like a Jedi warrior. I know you write like that, but we are going to learn to write like Luke Skywalker (laughs) or whoever it may be that's an icon. Whoever icon is. Grab your lightsaber, hold it with both hands, start in the middle, big movement all the way around, big and fat, big and fat, up. Down. Now, no mark has been made anywhere. We're but using the mantra, gross movement, right. but it's stuck in your head. Sticking so when the they head, then yeah. sit down and go, right, you're going to do your name for me, but don't forget, today shall we do a Jedi name, or today shall we do a, a princess Jedi name, whatever. Or whatever. Yeah. Then they're like, ooh, that's clicked, that little bit of thought process. There's a reminder. And this is not like, are you going to write your name properly today? Or I've done it on a sheet with some dots. Can you write over my dots? This is, you're a Jedi writer. You're a princess writer. You're a cowboy. I mean, I'm just smiling at the yeah. total difference between one and the other one is joyous one is fun one is you're connecting with your child in an amazing brilliant way and having fun together and the other is back to those you're doing lines at the kitchen table i remember one of my boys why wouldn't you want to do one versus the other saying to his granny i'm a jedi writer and she just went oh that's nice not a clue what he was talking about but he was so thrilled and of course if they get it wrong and they will you're not saying oh don't forget that's not how we do our ass is it you're saying oh Jedi right and oh, yeah and so using where children are in terms of their development and making it fun yep. and playful yep. you are packing in the learning mm-hmm. you're giving them muscle memory you're giving them a mantra that exists in their head and all of those things you're doing through a play-based approach and yes with something like that there's a little bit more of adult support where we're saying come on let's learn to jedi right mm-hmm. but it gives you also a role as a parent where you feel like you're doing something purposeful and useful mm-hmm. that isn't necessarily let's get the marks and spencers or whoever's writing handwriting book out and going through the guilt of you know they don't want to do it but you really feel it'll be best for them in the long run Absolutely. For in our house, once I'd learned all this stuff from you, we did wizard writing, yeah. and we just used a stick out the garden. Exactly. So you don't need to have any tech. Whatever floats, yeah. whoever's boat. Yeah, whatever they're into. I think the concept of gross motor skills and you know getting out there and walking and running and hanging upside down on the monkey bars and stuff is well understood. But fine motor skills, what can I do as a parent at home to help my child develop their fine motor skills to get those fingers and hands ready to write? So thinking about the fact that you've got bigger muscles in your chest and your shoulders and your arms, but you've also got tendons that run down your arms. For example, if you say to young children can you do like if you made your hand into a bird's beak so all your four fingers are together and then your thumbs underneath and you can talk like a bird i was gonna say like awful but that really dates me because keith harrison awful (laughs) i've not been around for a long time but never mind like a bird 
most children can do that. Uh-huh. If you ask your children to bring each individual finger to their thumbs, so a little finger, ring finger, middle finger, they really struggle with that. And uh-huh. that's because of how well developed their palm arches and the tendons are in their fingers. Right. And also if you get them to do thumbs up and then get them to helicopter their thumbs and rotate them round and round, again, children will often struggle with that, which is why scissor use is so difficult for children uh-huh. because what they're basically doing is putting their fingers through two small holes, but then lifting their thumbs up and down independently of anything else. So they've got no palm to help, no other fingers. So that's why children really struggle with using scissors and tend to close the scissors, but then really struggle with opening them again because they're just relying on that action of that one thumb. So there's lots of activities we can do that try and strengthen those finger muscles and also those palm arches that, that are in your palms. So things, dead simple stuff like... Threading is a really good one. What does that mean, Alison? So threading, literally, as you imagine threading a needle, threading is putting something through a hole. And so it can be pipe cleaners through. I've seen a lovely thing done with an Ikea. Other cutlery holders are available, like a cutlery drainer with holes in it. Yeah. Colanders with, again, things like pipe cleaners, ribbons, anything like that. Pegs, dead easy. Get a, a cereal box or similar. Put loads of pegs around the top. And then get the children to unpeg them and drop them in the box. Mm-hmm. And you can do that against it for slightly older children against a timer to make it more fun. Anything where you're working on manipulating your fingers mm-hmm. and your hands. So if you've got younger children, say, on the high chair or on a table, get some of their favourite toys, whatever they may be, and either masking tape them down or packing tape them if they're slightly older. Mm -hmm. Or you can even do it on a wall or a fridge if you've got a child who's just beginning to cruise and stand up straight and you also want to work on that gross motor. Mm -hmm. The idea of having to peel things off to rescue them. I've even seen that done uh, around snacks, so children peeling tape off to get a snack that's underneath, (laughs) putting children's snack underneath pots. Yes. So get there, whatever it may be, cucumber slices, put them under pots and then set the pots out on a table and they have to lift the pots up to access the snack that's underneath. There are myriads of activities that are out there, but ones that really just help children to use those fingers, hands, and also not forgetting that fine motor includes your feet. So True. things to do. Although may, maybe not necessarily for writing. No, well, no, although, you know, it, <laughs> although is it has been done. Yeah. So there are games that you can play in terms of picking things up and putting them down with feet. There are balance games that you can play. There are things you can do in the bath in terms of getting children to wiggle their toes. So again, that's not necessarily going to impact on their writing, but it is part of their fine motor. Alistair, what are you hoping is the one key message that comes out of today? If nothing else, I would say be brave, take your time and celebrate the small steps as well as that big milestone because writing will come, but it's not as important as we think on the birth to five journey. So Alistair, I reckon we can come up with five hacks that not only help parents help their children to write, but help their children enjoy learning to write. Number one, get physical. Lots of gross motor, running about, jumping about, hanging upside down, really learning to manage your body. Number two, remember how important conversation and talk is on the writing journey. So let's talk to our babies before they're born, after they're born, as often as we can, because if they can't think it, they can't write it. Three, in today's world of modern technology, don't forget as a parent to model writing. Let your children see you write, not only in their play, but also in your day-to-day. It's so true that not many of us write anymore. 
Four, give them lots of opportunities to mark mate with things other than pens and pencils. For example, um, a paintbrush with water on a patio outside on a sunny day not only lets them make marks, but it cleans itself up with the sun later. Five, make writing a joy. So if your child is on the writing journey, don't correct in the moment. Clock what they've done and find a creative way of correcting that misconception later on. Thanks for listening today and for sending some of your questions. Get in touch if there's something you would like us to talk about on these podcasts because we do them for you. You can post questions on our Facebook community or on Instagram and you'll always find us at My First Five Years with the five written out. So after today, if you want to learn more about becoming a writer, you can download our app, search My First Five Years on the App Store. Remember, you can get this podcast direct to your feed by pressing the follow button in your Apple Podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts. Just press follow. Don't forget to rate, review and follow My First Five Years. It really helps us. Thanks.